0: Hey, this is Huron from Battlecross, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello, this is Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, it's Heidi from Butcher Babies, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, we're the Butcher Babies, and you're listening to Iron Iron
1: City City Rocks. Yeah! Hello and welcome to episode 284 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Starting off this episode, we have an interview with Carla from The Butcher Babies. The Butcher Babies just released a new album back in August called Take It Like a Man and also wrapped up a summer tour with Guar. Carla talks to us about that Guar tour and the new album, but before we get to that, here's a track from the album called Never Go Back. Right, everyone, with me on the phone, I got Carla from the Butcher Babies. How are you doing today, Carla?
0: Great. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, thanks for taking time to talk to us, too. Um, I know you guys are out on tour right now with Guar and Battlecross. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that tour is going?
0: Oh, the tour's been amazing, you know, um, both bands just kind of are the kind of bands that bring the party, you know what I mean? So, as are we, so it's just been a, just a really fun-filled tour, of course, you know, watching Quar every night is a blast, you know, they're an iconic band, of course, yeah. and Battle Cross are our old friends from Mayhem Festival when we did that, and, uh, you know, my hometown buddies, so uh, they're always fun to tour with as well, and like I said, it's just been a really great tour, everything fits together perfectly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a great bill. Unfortunately, I didn't miss it when you guys were here in Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, it's, I've been hearing a lot of great things about the tour, talking to people who have been there. It's a lot of fun and it's, it's a great bill. Um, for you, what, what's the highlight of the tour been?
0: Um, you know, the same thing as, as it always is just getting up there every night, uh, for 45 minutes and, and, uh, you know, leaving our hearts and on the stage, we love what we do and, uh, we love being up there. So that's definitely the highlight of my day. And I think, uh, my bandmates day too, is just being up there and and doing what we do. And, you know, we have a new album out, I'll take it like a man. And we've been playing a few songs, um, off that album on this tour. So it's been really, really fun, um, to do that.
1: Right, right. And see and, the
0: crowd reaction to the new stuff
1: Oh yeah, and uh, the crowd reacting good To the new stuff?
0: Oh yeah, I mean the new stuff is, is Really heavy and very thrashy Especially the songs that we've chosen to play on the tour And so they're definitely crowd Pleasers and um you know, um, it's a little nerve-wracking at first to see how the new stuff goes right. over whenever you start playing new songs live. Because, you know you know how it is. When you go see your favorite bands play, you want to see the old stuff. But um, it's great to see the new stuff having a good reaction and people really getting into it and getting in the pits with the new stuff. And it's it's been
1: really great. Definitely, definitely, and, and the album—the album's great. I've been listening to it since it came out, um, and I think it's actually—I I, I like the album a lot better than *Goliath*. I think it's a huge step forward, and, and really shows a lot of growth, uh, you guys, as a band. Um, can you talk about how the album came together?
0: Yeah, um, you know, this album—the writing process is a little bit different than um, *Goliath*. You know, we had our whole lives to write *Goliath*, and you know, some of the even the lyrics on *Goliath*. Um, were, were stuff that you could find in, in uh, my journal or Heidi's journal from, mm-hmm. you know, high school years. Um, you know, so, uh, and also with those songs, we had plenty of time to play them in front of live audiences and test them out over the years. Right. And, you know, with Take It Like a Man, we didn't have that luxury. We wrote it in spare moments on the road and in the short time that we had off and um, and in the studio. And, but I think some really great things came out of That pressure, you know? Right. And um, there's also some new emotions on the album that we hadn't had the chance to experience yet on the first album. Like, uh, you know, uh, our song, Thrown Away, talks about... The alienation that you can feel on the road sometimes, you know, in certain moments. And obviously, we didn't have those experiences yet when we were recording Goliath. We had been on the road, but not to the extent right. we've been on the road since Goliath came out. Um, so, just a lot of new emotions, new feelings um, went to this album. And um, we also um, wanted to return to our kind of thrashy roots with this album. You know, we're very proud of Goliath and what we did with Goliath, but um, some parts were, um, uh, you know, some, some of the songs were a little bit more melodic mm-hmm. than we had, um, you know, originally started off as. But, you know, with that album, we proved that we can do it all. And uh, so with this album, we went, so we went back to our roots. And um, it's just, uh, you can, I think you can tell that it's uh, we're happier
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. when
0: we're doing the more aggressive, thrashy stuff. And there's also some stuff on Take It Like a Man that is even more melodic than mm-hmm. um, anything you could find on Goliath again, thrown away as a song, perfect example. It's a very, very, um, you know, far cry from anything we've ever done, but it's so unique, and we've gotten lots of great feedback about it.
1: Oh, it's a it's a beautiful song, and it actually kind of, like, even in the track order, it falls right in the middle, so it's kind of like, you know, you got this all-out assault, and then you got this nice break with this, you know, beautiful song, and then you go back to the heavy stuff. Was that, placing that song where you did in the track listing, was that intentional?
0: Yeah, um, you know, we all... Um, tried to think of different combinations mm-hmm. for the track order and um at the end of the day that's what felt best um we felt that that kind of took you on a journey which i think is what any great album right. should do is, is take you on a, on a journey
1: um where you know there's a lot of talk sometimes you know bands are doing their second album you know you got that sophomore pressure you know to try and outdo the the first album did you guys feel any pressure writing this album
0: um, of course, we felt pressure writing it, um, but I, I think it was more that, like I said, we had we didn't have, um, you know, we were on tour so much we didn't have, you know, a lot of time at home to to write it. And uh, of course, the sophomore pressure. But um, at the end of the day, if you believe in what you're doing and know that you're coming up with with great stuff and you're happy with your growth from the first album, which we were, um, then you have to kind of at one point just kind of let it go and say, you know what, we made a great album, let's, let's put it out.
1: Cool. Now, you guys worked with uh, Logan Mater, he produced this album. Can you talk about what he brought to the, the process and, and what he brought out of you guys?
0: Sure. Uh, we started working with Logan um, on our um, Uncovered EP last summer, I believe, yeah. and we really liked working with him. He, um, you know, We're known as a, a live band, right. and what Logan brings to the table is that um You know, he recorded us in a way that uh, that raw, you know, live emotion power that we have, you know, at our shows really comes across in the recording. Um, There were times when we were recording when I was like, oh, my, did you get the right take? Is that enough? Should we do it 10 more times? You're like, no, I got it. I got it. And um, though it made us nervous, he knew what he was doing. And like I said, he was able to get those raw performances that really kind of speak volumes to who we are as bands. And also he's, he's great um, with production, with, you know, metal production and um, very easy going in the studio. Very, you know, just really great to work
1: with. Right. Now, did you find like some like your earlier takes were turn out better than later takes? You, you, were you able to get more of that rawness like the first couple of times? Yeah, you... that's,
0: ex- that's exactly what I was saying is that, you know, um, sometimes you don't need to do 50 takes of the same right. guitar part or vocal part. Sometimes that first one um, has just the right emotion, the right rawness that you need uh, to make it unique, rather than something that's overly polished and um, you know um, done a gazillion times.
1: Right, right. Now, um, you know, you mentioned you know well to the album again you released monsters balls first you know with the uh, the video and the video was a lot of fun to watch and i'm assuming it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun to make you know with all the makeup and stuff Can you talk about you know how that video came together because it's a really cool concept and a cool idea
0: yeah sure you know for that video we wanted to have a literal monsters ball um you know Heidi and i started talking about it when we we and our last tour that we had before this one um within this moment Heidi and I got to share a back room in the bus and we were talking about, you know, that song, Monsters Ball, and what we'd want to see in the video. We really were daydreaming about a Monsters Ball, and that's what we got. Um, It was a really cool day. It was great to have all of our friends come down and, you know, get in full makeup and, um, you know, become these characters. And uh, it was fun to play, you know, kind of a jazz band and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, turn that um, song into a swingy um, fun, fun song, you know, and obviously the song itself is about, um, the energy in in a mosh pit and, um, you know, going to these big festivals and and being surrounded by people who are, um, inspired by metal music, just like you, you know, inspired to get out there and, um, in the hot sun and crowd surf and, and mosh and just have a great day, um, fueled by metal music. So, um, it was a great experience the song is really quirky and really fun and i think that the music video is the perfect um perfect you know quirky music video to go with it
1: yeah what i really liked about the video too was like you mentioned it's an aggressive song and it's heavy and whatnot but you know the performance in the video is kind of laid back jazzy thing you know you guys aren't you know it's like a, a very cool juxtaposition between you know the two things um now you you guys tour constantly, and you guys have an incredible live show, tons of energy. Um, and you guys got to play a lot of big festivals. And you got to tour with a lot of big bands. You guys just did Soundwave and Download. Um, one thing I'm kind of curious is like you know all this constant touring. Do you ever worry about getting burned out on the road?
0: Um, I mean it's it's easy to get burned out, right. I guess. I mean as far as as individuals, but we haven't yet, you know, we're still okay. You know, we, we take the time every day to make sure that all of us are are okay. Um, and, um, you know, we have a like a week off coming up, that we're all going to go and, you know, go home, see our families and take a little break. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we try to, you know, we're, right now we're still having – fun and none of us are jaded with what we're doing we're just enjoying um the experience and enjoying um the fact that we get to do something that people dream of doing so um you know i think and also when you get up there on stage every night no matter how tired you are how burned out you might feel the crowd singing your songs back at you just kind of reinvigorates you and um makes you uh, able to go on for another day. So,
1: Now, you guys do anything to keep your voices in shape so you don't, you know, hurt your voice night after night or whatnot? Uh,
0: you know, we drink a lot of water. I drink a lot of tea. Um, everybody has their own way of taking care of their, right. their instrument, you know. Um, but for me, it's just um, trying, to, trying to sleep enough, trying to eat properly, um, and uh, just drinking lots of water
1: right right now is you guys talk is there any talk about maybe doing because you guys are out on the road so much doing a live album or a live dvd or anything like that
0: yeah i think a live dvd is something that we would uh love to do you know everything is so the world is so visual now online and you know everything mm-hmm. i think that it's kind of necessary to do stuff like that these and it's fun it's fun for fun for us to do stuff like that it's fun for the fans to see it um we have a couple Go GoPros that we get out once in a while right. that, uh, we definitely need to, you know, start doing some DVD stuff with.
1: Um, yeah. Cause I think, you know, the live album or something would be actually really cool, especially like you mentioned with, you know, online and, and being able to bring that experience home. Um,
0: yeah, that would be a blast. We'd love to do that.
1: Um, can you talk a little bit about how you personally got started in music and who your influences are?
0: Um, you know, I've loved metal since I was a kid. Um, I uh I grew up in Detroit and uh I was kind of uh a misfit kid and uh the first time I heard metal was in the back of a friend's van. I think Short Straw was playing and I fell in love with thrash metal. Right. And um it just kinda of spoke to me and then I heard uh Pantera and I heard Phil and Fommel screaming and you know, such an angry misfit kid that I felt like his screams kind of kind of said on the outside, what I felt on the inside, and it inspired me to want to do the same thing. Right. So um, I started playing in bands when I was 16, 17 years old in high school. Um, I had a silly little band in, in Detroit called God's Girlfriend, and you know, just you know, silly little nonsense band. But I it really kind of fueled my fire, um, you know, playing the live shows, you know, around my hometown to, um, to you know to, to get out there to move away from home. You know, I wanted to go to L. A. and I wanted to do it for real. I wanted to find, um, you know, a, a band, and um, I wanted my life to be about music. And um, so, uh, my whole life, pretty much, you could say, I've been involved in it.
1: Right, right. And it's, that's cool. It's, um, you know, and you got, you know, you get to play with all your influences and, and stuff like that. I mean, you guys have played with Phil and Salmo before. I mean, what? That yeah, means- no, that's an amazing
0: experience. You know, to um, to actually share the stage with someone that has inspired you right. your whole life you know since I was like I said an angry 11 year old kid that only cared about you know comic books and heavy metal mm-hmm. it's amazing to be able to like I said share the stage with someone like that so, right. um, definitely will always be thankful for this experience
1: cool. now you uh, you also released a book last year is there any plans on doing another book or anything like that?
0: yeah um, I'm always writing in I would love to um, to do another book. Um, I have a comic book premiering, um, I guess, at the end of this month. It's called Soul Suck. That's another series. I also write comics as well as novels, cool. so that'll be coming out soon. And then hopefully um, my next full length book will be out, um, you know, a year from now. But as of right now, Death and Other Dances is still out there um, and um, doing really well. So pick that up if you haven't already.
1: Yeah, I, I, I read the book. It's, it's a great book. It's, you know, it's a lot going on in that book. And, you know, it's, it's very cool. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can get you next time you're in town to sign my copy. Um, yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm coming back in town. You guys are going to be back on, on tour after this tour with Amaranth, uh, continuing the touring cycle. So after, uh, you got tour with Amaranth coming up in the fall. Um, what do you guys got planned after that?
0: We have a break in December, so we're going to go home and enjoy our home life for, right. for a month, a month or two. And then we have some uh, a big tour coming up um, late January, but we can't talk about that one yet. Cool. Cool. So, but you'll hear about it soon enough.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to you know, thank you for taking time to talk to us. Uh, good luck out on the rest of the tour. We'll see you here in Pittsburgh again in a couple months. Congratulations on the new album, and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Okay. Much. Talk to you soon. Alright, thanks. Okay, I'd like to thank Carla for taking the time to talk to us. The new album is available now, and the Butcher Babies are out on the road. They'll be hitting the Quaker Steak and Lube and Sharon on October 14th, and then they'll be back at the Alder Bar on November 10th with Amaranth. You definitely want to check them out, they put on a hell of a show. Up next, John talks to Victor Griffin from Doom Metal Pioneers Pentagram. Pentagram also released a new album this past August called Curious Volume. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a trap from the album called Lay Down and Die. Told him about the last time
3: Ladies and gentlemen, from the band Pentagram, we have Victor Griffin on the line. How are you doing, Victor?
2: I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having
3: me. I appreciate the call. You guys are coming into uh, Mr. Small's uh, Theater in the Pittsburgh Market on October 7th, but doing dates uh, on the East Coast a little bit before that. Wanted to get a chance to get you on the show, talk a little bit about the band um, and the new record, uh, Curious Volume. So, if we could start, you guys are kind of known as kind of a pioneer in the world of doom uh, music. But can you, for someone who maybe isn't accustomed to that t- term or just associates that word with kind of bands that sort of sound like L- Black Sabbath, what to you constitutes doom?
2: Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, for someone who doesn't know, I guess, you know, the the best reference would be to go back to, you know, the sa- early Sabbath stuff. Uh, that's kind of where it's kind of all derived from. But, uh, you know, back when we started doing it, uh, it's probably a little different uh, then than it is now. You know, we, uh, to us, it was just, you know, of course the dark sounding music, um, you know, thick guitar tones, things like that. But then also lyrically, uh, there was, all, you know, a bit of a melancholy uh, subject matter with mm-hmm. the lyrics, th- things like that. Uh, it's sort of taken on a new twist, you know probably in the past ten years or so you know there's uh, there's so so many bands out there and it's really sort of turned a bit more into to just downtuned right. guitars right. and you know and then you know you've got like the sort of death metal vocals that that people are putting over it, which you know to me doesn't necessarily constitute the doom uh, from what it originally was right, uh, right. but you know. People can have their own take on it over the years, and uh, you know things change. But uh, you know we're kind of a throwback to the the '70s era. Yeah. Uh, from from that point of view.
3: Yeah, I know. Listening to your you know your catalog, some of the vocals to me almost sound like some of the progressive hard rock bands that came out of the late '60s and early '70s. So, You know, it's it, it's. I think you and I are both of age where metal was just metal, rock was rock. Right. You know and then. then Thrash metal became kind of a thing, and now there's 6,000 genres to, yeah. to metal that uh, everyone tries to pigeonhole. Um, you guys have a, a relatively new album, carries Volume, out. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that album came together and your return to the studio with the band? Uh,
2: yeah, we, uh, we were on the road quite a bit last year, and uh, we had sort of been in the process of trying to set aside time uh, to record a new album. And uh, we kind of kept getting interrupted with with shows, you know, either kind of one-off shows here and there, or small groups of shows, or just full tours, you know. Uh, But we finally got things sorted out uh, when we went back to Peaceville Records and signed with them, so we were able to sort of nail down more of a, you know, a concrete time frame as far as when we wanted to get the album out when they needed the album to be out and the promotion and all that kind of thing so we started the songwriting process really you know l- around last november or so went to the studio um around february and ended up recording in a, in a couple different places we went into magpie studios in baltimore uh originally to, re- to record the drum tracks and uh once we had the drum tracks down, then I went actually into the Lakeside Studios in Knoxville, where I am now, okay. and uh, record, recorded all the guitars. Yeah.
3: Um.
2: Uh, but it was just various, you know, uh, various songwriting uh, techniques. It was a little different than we usually do it because um, the we were kind of constrained on time, and we didn't have we hadn't compiled a lot of material over you know like last year leading up right. to it. So. Um, You know, it was a little bit of a rush, but it was also good because we ended up getting into, you know, you get into a situation where you don't necessarily know what you have going in, which I think can add a lot to the personality of the music or the characteristics of the music uh, when you don't have it so, you know, demoed out and and pre-produced that you go in with these expectations of what it should be, you know?
3: Now, do you guys write individually and then kind of collaborate, you know, somebody throws a lyric on top of something you might have wrote or or how do you form the songs when you're when you're writing the material
2: we do uh you know i might come in with a whole song you know i might write the lyrics and the music but i also might just come in with music and then bobby uh you know might write the lyrics uh greg turnley bass player uh kind of the same thing you know he might come in with uh, for instance on this album you know he and i collaborated on a couple of songs where he wrote the music and maybe i kind of did the, the structuring and the lyrics and that kind of thing, and then also there's a you know song or two that he wrote individually as well, and then of course Bobby, um, he has uh, like old demo material you know that, that he's had for a long time. So we and he usually wants to uh, pull out you know for those songs to finally record properly after so many years, and so that all comes into play too. Uh, but, you know, amazingly, it's, and what's cool is that once we get all this done and have the material together, you know, it sort of falls together pretty seamlessly, mm-hmm. you know, as far as writing styles or, you know, uh, or whatever, you know, like that. So it
3: works pretty well. When you're doing guitar solos in particular, which, you know, I listening to the material really kind of jump out. of I me. Mean, I'm a, kind of a guitar junkie and your playing is very uh, fascinating to listen to. Um, do you gravitate towards particular uh, modes or, or things like that when you're when you're working in the you know the context of this band and, and the type of music you do, or do you uh, do you pay attention to that and just kind of play what what sounds right to you, or how do you lay those out?
2: Yeah, it depends. You know, it depends on the, uh, the the particular song or the rhythm pattern that I'm doing the the solo over. Some songs lend themselves to being more of a uh, just a melodic, the almost kind of a singing kind yeah. of solo, you know, uh, which I really like a lot when, when the song calls uh, for that. Uh, other times, you know, I won't necessarily have a strong idea of what I want to do before. I might just kind of jam through it a couple times and do a, a few run-throughs and find a groove, you know, that like, and uh, and then sort of fall into that. And, you know, other times I just completely just improvise and uh, basically uh, find the pieces that I like and then we'll actually learn the solo. If it's a solo that I like, you know, and I want to keep it recording, then I'll actually learn the solo after it's all recorded so I can kind of somewhat duplicate it live, you know, not note for note. um, But like that. But I also tend to, you know, I tend to stay in sort of a bluesy mode as well. Regardless of the heaviness of the song, uh, just because that's sort of my roots and where I came from, and you know, my a lot of my influences are, are, are all just blues-based type stuff. Yeah, and, yeah,
3: and it's certainly you can you can feel it. Other than you know, Iommi, obviously, I think everyone who's ever picked up a guitar, uh, you know, was influenced by him. Were there particular guitarists in, in your formation that you would cite as kind of a uh, key players? Uh,
2: key players for yeah. me. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, Iommi would be one of them. Um, you know, and, all. of course, all most of my influences go back to the 70s, you know. and uh, So, you know, Iommi, Brian May would be one. Um, you know, actually, the guys, uh, you know, people like Glenn Buston, man, from the Alice Cooper group from back yeah. then. And a lot of these players aren't necessarily, you know, these, uh, you know, what would be considered, I guess, Extremely talented. I don't really want to use it say you know use that that type of phrase because uh, I think you know you can consider talent in different ways. But uh, I guess just certain tastefulness, you know, with some guitar players, they weren't necessarily technically the best guitar players in the world, but they just did things that sort of was turn yeah. me on, you know, and 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 stuff like that, you know. And going back to like uh, you know early Steppenwolf stuff, that 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 a lot of that material was uh, influential yeah. to me. Um, but it was late, you know, then sort of coming into the 90s and later years, you know, the people like Warren Haynes, Joe Bonamassa, um, you know, all of the guys like that, and, and some older blues guys like Buddy Guy, you know, all these guys were just uh, some of my favorite players, and, you know, I tend to borrow licks from them, I mean, it's like we kind yeah. of all do that, you know, to some extent, and then we work it into our yeah. own stuff. Yeah, there's
3: only a finite number of notes, but uh, you're, you're right. <laughs> right uh, now, now one yeah. of the things i've noticed uh, obviously lamb of god enjoying quite a bit of success and war uh something in the water in virginia that kind of to you know brings out the the great metal from that area
2: uh yeah i don't know man uh we kind of started out um you know around the mm-hmm. dc area um and I guess Southern Maryland too. I mean, you have to look at the Southern Maryland scene as well from back, uh, at least whenever I moved up from Knoxville to, to the Northern Virginia area, when I first started, got involved with Bobby around 81, Um, there was a pretty good scene going in Southern Maryland with, you know, the obsessed and uh, bands like Asylum, Unorthodox. I don't know if you heard any of these bands, of course, you know, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the wino stuff. Um, So, you know, that was going on, and so we ended up sort of hooking up in this little scene around the D.C. area, and, you know, it was really pretty hard to book shows. I mean, back then, you couldn't really book, book your own shows unless you were playing three sets yeah. of cover tunes, you know. And uh, But somehow, you know, we were able to carve out a niche, uh, just playing all originals, you know, and were able to cultivate a pretty good following, locally anyway. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, over the years... Um, Scene around that area has produced, where Virginia, you know, has produced uh, some some pretty good yeah. bands, man, from the Richmond area as yeah. well,
3: especially Richmond. Yeah, I was always always curious, yeah. you know, with a band like yours, whether, you know, because you know Pittsburgh isn't, isn't exactly, the, you know, probably in the top five when you think of metal markets. Um, yeah, you know, if a band like yours started to gain popularity elsewhere, you know, through the tape trading and things like that, or was it a homegrown enthusiasm that you then took to other markets? Uh, well, I would
2: say it was, for the most part, a homegrown. I mean, you didn't have, I mean, but the other thing was, you know, there was um, really the tape trading thing was really the only way you could get your name kind of outside, you know, the, the region of sure. where you were or even just the city where you were located. And, uh, you know, once we did... We did this. Uh, well, the band in, from '81 was uh, called Death Row, and then we sort of evolved back into Pentagram, you know, around the mid '80s. But the first Pentagram album was actually recorded as a Death Row demo uh, called All Your Sins, and uh, we kind of put that out, just you know, passing passing it around at gigs and stuff like that. And then people would you know reproduce it, and, and just the thing ended up getting mailed around the world, and so we would get you know started to get letters, you know, from all over the, the yeah. world, really. Uh, just these, you know, fourth, fifth generation cassette tapes that people had somehow gotten a hold of, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was really kind of how the whole scene worked back then, you know, when bands were coming up, you know, including bands like Trouble, mm-hmm. you know, who who were coming up around the same time and bands like Witchfinder General and, and even Venom, you know, these bands were kind of around at that time. Yeah. But that was about it. You know, we didn't have internet, yeah. so it wasn't, it wasn't quite as easy, man, to, uh, to uh publicize yourself
3: anyway. yeah we all we owe a debt of gratitude for a lot of bands for tdk and memorex and the you know the dual cassette decks oh it was oh, yeah, critical man. back in you know, in the pre-napster world oh absolutely it was the only way to do so it so I, I, again you guys are coming out october 7th um uh, mr smalls uh pittsburgh will be a great show um kind of doing a mix of the old and the new, old material the classics and the new record
2: yeah, we're playing uh, you know quite a few songs off the new album. Um, I think uh, I think there's at least four or five in the set, and uh, you know, and then various songs. Man, Use I think we're doing at least one off of every album. Um, we're also doing a few you know off of the uh, Last Days Here album, um, but yeah, we try to include something, at least one song off of off of everything. So we kind of get everything in there, you know. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of songs that uh, some of the earlier stuff off of, re, you know, the, the Relentless album and Day of Reckoning that are pretty popular. Songs like you know, Sign of Wolf and mm-hmm. Relentless and stuff like that. They're kind of must plays. Sure. So uh, you know, we always include all those. Awesome, but, well, Victor. Yeah.
3: I, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to speak with you, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And again, we look forward to seeing you October 7th when you get into town, man.
2: All right. Sounds good. Good to meet you, John. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care.
3: Take care.
1: Okay, I'd like to thank Victor for taking the time to talk to us. Pentagram's out on the road, and they'll be hitting Mr. Smalls on October 7th. That about wraps up this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Until next time, thanks for listening.